After President Trump's incredible press conference on Thursday, a war broke out between people on the left and in the media and people on the right. People on the left and in the media insisted Trump had savaged the media unjustifiably and lied repeatedly and refused to answer easy questions and twisted innocent questions into attacks on the questioners. Jake Tapper of CNN said it was unhinged. It was wild. It was an airing of grievances. It was festivus. Those on the right chortled gleefully as Trump savaged the press. We were glad to watch Trump take the air out of the media's overhyped Flynn hot air balloon. We were excited to watch Trump redirect from the media's controversy of the day approach back toward his policy victories. Most of all, we were ecstatic to watch Trump baffle the media with his concoction of vicious, deserved attacks on the left. Rush Limbaugh said, you get caught up in the moment, but this was one of the most effective press conferences I've ever seen. Naturally, those on the left accused those on the right of being in a bubble. How could they watch that nutty press conference and come away happy? And those on the right responded, this is why Trump won. Here's the truth. Both sides are now in a bubble. Right now, Trump enjoys an 84% approval rating from Republicans and those who lean Republican, according to Pew Research. He gets just 8% approval from Democrats and those who lean that way. By contrast, at this point in their presidencies, Ronald Reagan had a 39% approval rating among Democrats. George H.W. had a 46% approval rating among Democrats. Obama had a 37% approval rating from Republicans. This is the most polarized electorate in modern American history. Quinnipiac actually makes the polarization even more stark. According to their polling, Trump has a 91% favorable rating among Republicans, but a 3% favorable rating among Democrats, and we are less than a month in. That's because everybody is now seeing the news through the prism of revenge. That's not because of Trump. This has been brewing for years. Those on the right have railed correctly for decades at the overwhelming leftist bias in the media. When Trump shouts fake news, we resonate. We've been saying the same thing forever. Normally, this would probably be healthy. The media have it coming. Each time members of the media complain about Trump's attacks on the press, Republicans and conservatives laugh hysterically. We've been the targets of media bias as long as we can remember. There's something innately satisfying about watching Trump become the avatar of our rage. Meanwhile, those on the left stand agape as the right guffaws at Trump's fibs. Don't they understand Trump isn't answering important questions? Don't they get that Trump clearly knows little about policy and half of what he does know isn't so? We're now at an impasse. The right conflates Trump's fibs with his media slams, and then we excuse both. And the left conflates Trump's media slams with his fibs and dismisses all concerns about the media. Everybody is so excited to see somebody on the other side of the political aisle get slapped. Nobody seems to care much about what's true and what's false anymore. It's revenge politics at its finest. And that desire for revenge is reinforced by social media, which encourages you to interact with people who think like you. Social media algorithms dictate if you enjoy a right-wing outlet, you'll probably like other right-wing outlets. The same holds true on the left. Thus, everybody on the left believes Donald Trump has troubling ties with Russia. Everybody on the right believes Donald Trump is a pure victim of the deep state in the press. Nobody on either side acknowledges there may be truth to the claims of the other because nobody's even reading what the other side has to say. This is actually a problem. It's a problem for two specific reasons. First, the social fabric requires we be able to discuss issues of the day with one another rationally. And that requires sharing a common set of facts rather than everybody bringing their own facts to the party. We can argue over the conclusions to be drawn from that set of facts. We may not agree or we may agree. But if we can't agree on facts, we can't just then we end up just standing in our respective corners screaming at each other. Second, if we never know whom to believe, or worse yet, if we believe that those in power, when they agree with us politically, are right, no matter whether what they say is right or wrong or true or false, we run the risk of actual tyranny. Truth was supposed to be the check on government. Sunlight was supposed to be the best disinfectant. But if truth goes out the window, then government becomes merely a machine for retaliation. Elections just become a vehicle for taking out your ire on your enemies. This isn't a new problem. George Washington experienced the problem of partisanship early on in the history of the republic. He talked about its risks in his farewell address. It's pretty prescient stuff. Here's what he said, quote, 
Let me now take a more comprehensive view and warn you in the most solemn manner against the baneful effects of the spirit of party generally. The alternate, the alternate dominion of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal, formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual, and sooner or later... The chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. It serves always to distract the public councils, enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another, foments occasional riot and insurrection. It opens the door to foreign influence and corruption, which finds a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions. Thus, the policy and the will of one country are subjected to the policy and will of another. Washington recommended we all take a step back and fight against the spirit of party. He said, quote, in governments purely elective, it is a spirit not to be encouraged, a fire not to be quenched. A fire, it demands a uniform vigilance to prevent its bursting into flame, lest instead of warming, it should consume. So here's a mild proposal. Everybody should call balls and strikes. The media should be hit when they propagate fake news, and their bias should be exposed routinely. The left and media should acknowledge the problem of media bias isn't illusory. Trump should be hit when he lies, too. The right should acknowledge that truth isn't secondary to political power. This may not please those whose first priority is the victory of their party on either side, but it should make for a better country, a place where facts and truth still actually matter. One final note. For people on both sides who think that truth will never defeat lies, if you that if you unilaterally disarm by calling balls and strikes, you're helping the enemy. If we truly believe truth no longer holds sway, we might as well end this great experiment of Republican government. The argument against truth is an argument against consent, against representation, against democracy itself. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All right, lot to get to. President Trump has been very, very busy since we last spoke. We spoke last on Thursday morning before that massive press conference, so we still have to go through that because that's still making waves. We'll talk a little bit about some of the policy proposals that are being tried out. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Texture.com. Okay, so... If you're somebody who loves reading, if you're addicted to information the way I am, if you love magazines the way that I do, the best way for you to get access to those magazines is with Texture.com. So the way that Texture works is for one price, you get access to 200 plus magazines full of in-depth and interviews and stories, all in the Texture app right on your tablet or phone. It's searchable, so you can mark what you like. You can check out back issues, view bonus video content. They curate articles and magazines just for you or whoever you're going to give texture to as a gift this year. Terrific service. You know, I, I've been using it myself, and that's why we're going to have a guest on in the near future who's, who I read about in Reader's Digest, my wife's favorite magazine, from texture.com. Texture is, they're fantastic. Right now, they offer my listeners a 14-day free trial. So you can try it out. You go to texture.com slash Ben. That's 14 days to try it for free. It's $9.99 a month after that. You get over 200 magazines, and we're talking major magazines. We're not, they're not just filling up the list with a bunch of magazines that you've never heard of. It's not like the local Dental Magazine. We're talking about you know People Magazine and Sports Illustrated and Forbes and Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone and Cosmopolitan, all, all of the major magazines. And whether or not you like the magazines, it's important that you be up on it. I mean, this is what I was just discussing a minute ago. Very important that you be up on all sides of the news so that you can know what the other side is saying and you can know the facts they're bringing to the table. That's what Texture is for. Texture.com. You go there right now. You use promo code Ben so that they know that we sent you. You get access to those 200 magazines plus all the back issues. It really is a phenomenal, phenomenal app. Uh, and again, you can use it on your on your phone or on your tablet as well. Okay, so... 
Lots happened over the weekend, and I want to start with Donald Trump's press conference. So there was a lot here that was good, and there was a lot here that was bad. So it, it, was, it was interesting. I gave a grade to Donald Trump at the end of last week. I do this every week now, and uh, I gave him a grade of C- minus last week because it started off with the Flynn debacle, and then he had the Netanyahu meeting, which was great, and then he had this press conference, which was all over the place. What I said in that piece about how to grade Trump is that one of the problems with grading Trump is you end up with one grade. Trump is actually a series of grades, right? Trump is A or he's F. There's not a lot of in-between. He's got really high highs and he's got really low lows. And you saw it all in that press conference on Thursday. So the right was picking out the highs, and they were very excited about those highs. And the left was picking out the lows, and they were very, ha- they were very happy about those lows. There really wasn't much in between. And the question is, which side are Americans going to take, or is it all just going to become part of the background noise, which is what I actually think. I think a lot of this is going to become part of the background noise. There's a broader message I have here for the right that I want to discuss in just a second, but we'll start off with, uh, with a little bit of good Trump, bad Trump, because this was the, it was epic good Trump, bad Trump. I mean, it was ultimate good Trump, bad Trump. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? So he started off, did, did President Trump, with some good Trump, and that was slapping the media, because the truth is the media are wildly biased. Now, I would always prefer that if you're going to attack the media, you do it on the basis of them lying, not on the basis of them doing things you don't like. You shouldn't attack people just because you don't, they're doing something you don't like. You should do it because they're lying, not telling the truth, saying something that's false. I'm perfectly fine with slapping the media. I do it on a regular basis. Watch me anytime I go on any network. The chances that I'm slapping the media are about 117%. But it's always based on what did the media do today, not just based on, well, those darn media people, they're just terrible. And Donald Trump you know, finished off this press conference, by the way, with a tweet in which he basically called the, the, the media the enemy. Here's the, here's the tweet from Donald Trump. It said, the fake news media, failing New York Times, NBC News, ABC, CBS, CNN, is not my enemy. It is the enemy of the American people. That's not good Trump. The part that's good Trump is the part where he actually slaps the media for, for doing what they're doing. The reason this isn't good Trump is because the president of the United States should just, as a matter of course, not be calling broad swaths of the American public the enemy of the American people. It's dangerous language. It suggests that, that the, I mean, unless he's going to prosecute them, like Barack Obama actually treated the media who are adversarial to him as members of the enemy. He actually prosecuted them. Trump hasn't suggested he's doing that yet, but once you start saying things like the press is the enemy of the American people, you're suggesting that every time the press attacks Donald Trump, they're attacking the American people, and that isn't true. Again, conflation of something false with something I don't like is a dangerous business, and that's particularly dangerous when you conflate your own interests with those of the American people. When as president you say, an attack on me is an attack on all Americans, that's ugly stuff, okay? That's not the way that it works. Woodrow Wilson used to think this way. He used to think that the president was sort of the great embodiment of the American people. That's not what the president is. The president is a constitutionally elected officer with specific duties. If you attack the president, that doesn't mean you're attacking the American people. Sometimes, if that were true, then we were all guilty of treason going after Barack Obama. Okay, Barack Obama was wrong a lot. I don't like this business where the president is the representative of all the American people. You attack him, you're attacking Americans. It's a bunch of crap. If you want to say that they're the enemy of the American people because they're lying, then you have to actually point out the lies. So here was the good Trump. Okay, that was a little bit of the bad Trump. Here's the good Trump. Trump starts off by attacking the media, and here's what he has to say. Unfortunately, much of the media in Washington, D.C., along with New York, Los Angeles, in particular, speaks not for the people, but for the special interests and for those profiting off a very, very obviously broken system. The press has become so dishonest that if we don't talk about it, we are doing a tremendous disservice to the American people. Tremendous disservice. We have to talk about it. 
to find out what's going on, because the press honestly is out of control. The level of dishonesty is out of control. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that the press have been jumping on every bad headline. I proposed a rule last week that every headline, you now have to wait 24 hours to find out whether it's true or not, because there's such a race to be first. And there's also such a race to slap Trump, to get Trump, that a lot of what's coming out of the press is false. So this is good Trump. And it's fair for him to say all of this. It's also fair for him to say that he inherited a not wonderful situation. Now, what I, here's what I like about this. It's honest. Here's what I don't like about it. It's the sort of stuff that Obama used to say about Bush all the time. I'll, I'll be okay with it for a month. If in three years, Donald Trump is still saying what a terrible situation he inherited, that's not going to wash. At a certain point, you have to start being president. Here's Trump talking about the mess he inherited. To be honest, I inherited a mess. It's a mess. At home and abroad, a mess. Okay, so that's true. But again, he's going to have to stop doing that at a certain point. Okay, then we get to some of the bad Trump, unfortunately. And the bad Trump is just confusion. Okay, so the bad Trump is confusion and misinformation. And again, this is where I think that it's important that we note something about about what people on both sides are doing, and it's not good. And that is, most politics, and I've said this for literally years. You can look back at my speeches. I've been saying this for probably 10 years. Most politics is driven by the negative. Most politics is driven by, here's what I don't like, Right. It's driven by, as I would say on the show, stuff I hate, right? Most, most politics is driven by, here's something I don't like. So when Trump slaps the media, people on the right cheer, yeah, that's great. And it is, it's good. But at a certain point, you're going to have to determine whether you stand for more than just stuff that you stand against. And the danger of, of falling into the trap of, I'm only going to support politicians because the politicians are breaking things I don't like, is that they may be breaking things you do like also, right? It's possible they're breaking things you do like also, like, one of the things that I like is truth. I'm just a big fan. I like facts. I like truth. I'm not a big fan of fibs. And so when Donald Trump says stuff like this about the size of his, of his electoral margin, this is 11D, you know, people on the right sort of overlooked this. They said it was no big deal. I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think it is indicative of the fact that the right buys into Trump because he slaps the media and they ignore some of the stuff that he says that isn't true. And I don't see why that should have to be the case. Why can't you enjoy him slapping the media when he's telling the truth? It doesn't seem to me like these two ideas should be in conflict. Here's what he had to say. Well, I'm talking about Republican. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, no, I was told I was given that information. I don't know. I was just given. We had a very, very big margin. Okay, you know, I was just given that information. That doesn't wash. You're the president of the United States. For God's sake, you have the greatest information gathering superpower in the history of man on your side, and you can't come up with like a simple answer for this. That doesn't that doesn't wash. People on the right sort of shrugged it off and laughed. Okay, fine. It's not a big deal. I get it. I don't think it's a big deal either. But when there's a constant stream of this sort of stuff, it's a problem. And Donald Trump makes this happened through a constant stream. Here's, in, in a second, I'm going to play the clip that I thought was sort of got to the essence of this. First, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Distilled. So, if you are interested in jeans, you know, really nice jeans, but for a price that you can afford, not $200 jeans, then you need to go over to my friends at dstld.com, dstld.com. And it's, they like to say it's where minimalist design meets maximum comfort. Basically, they're, they're really comfortable jeans. Uh, they, are, they really stand the test of time. They are not complicated. They're not 
you know, rhinestone studded. They're not trendy. They're just great jeans that fit you really, really well. And uh, they send them to you, and they're well under $100. They, they, uh, if, if you get it using, using the promo code, you get $10 off your first pair at dstld.com slash Ben right now. You get 10% off your first pair. It's been featured in all the major magazines. I'm wearing a pair right now, dstld.com slash Ben. Really, some of the best jeans that I've ever owned. I wear jeans like every day, so it's actually important to me <laughs> what jeans I wear. And the reason that they're able to save so much is because they're direct-to-consumer and also because they're very efficient in their manufacturing process. So you should go to dstld.com right now. They ship it to you for free, and then if you don't like the fit, then they will take it back, right? They'll they take it back from you for free as well until you find the perfect pair, so there's no risk involved. dstld.com slash Ben. Make sure you use slash Ben so that they know that we sent you. Okay, so... What I'm saying about Trump here, and I think this is true not just of Trump, I think this is true for all Republicans everywhere. The conservative movement in many cases has become so about opposing the left, which is great. I'm opposed to the left. There's no one who fights harder against the left than I do. It's become so much about opposing the left that sometimes we're willing to ignore sins on our own side in order to do that. And I think that that's a mistake because one of the things that makes you a right winger as opposed to a left winger is the idea that truth is not relative. Truth is not malleable. Truth is not something that you can just shift aside for your own political benefit or for the benefit of the collective. And when you start shifting it aside for the benefit of the collective, you're no longer on the right anymore. So when Donald Trump says things like this, here's Donald Trump talking about the leaks. This is nonsensical stuff and the right should not be defending it. The leaks are real. You know what they said. You saw it. And the leaks are absolutely real. The, the news is fake because so much of the news is fake. So well, OK, so the, the question was, you said the news is fake, but the, but the leaks are real. And then he says, that's right. OK, if they're repeating, the, if they're just repeating the leaks and you say the leaks are real, the news can't be fake, obviously. Now, I think what he's saying here, what he's trying to say is that the narrative they draw from the news is fake. That's fine. But he should be more specific in how he goes about this, because otherwise he's just undermining the notion of truth altogether. And he says this kind of stuff throughout the press conference, right? There was one point where he was talking about the travel ban. And here's what he said about the travel ban. No one in their right mind believes this. Dude, let me tell you about well, the travel ban. Were there any mistakes wait, in wait, that? Wait, wait. I know who you are. Just wait. Let me tell you about the travel ban. We had a very smooth rollout of the travel ban. Okay, so there are two th- so this is a perfect embodiment of what the right likes about Trump and also what the right should not like about Trump. So, he says, "Wait, just I know who you are. Shut up basically." And the right goes, yeah, that's awesome. The media has been pissing all over Republican presidents for years. I mean, George W. Bush just hid in his cubbyhole, and and Republicans for years have been so afraid of the media. And here's a guy who isn't afraid of the media, and that's great. It would be spectacular, okay? I would be able to sit here in all happiness, just being super happy about that, if for the fa- except for the fact that he's saying things that aren't true, okay? So two things can be true at once. It's great the media is getting slapped. The media should be slapped over truth. They should not be slapped over lies, Okay, they shouldn't be slapped over over things that are being said that are just false. And this is the point I'm making about bubbles. It's really important. You know, th- think of think of news like geometry. If you're trying to determine the truth, there's a right wing line and there's a left wing line, and they are not parallel. Okay, they do cross at a certain point. The point at which they cross is the point of fact. Okay, this is why it's important for you to actually look at outlets from both sides because. If one side says a fact and the other side says a fact, that's the point where they're going to meet. They're going to totally diverge when it comes to the narratives they draw from the fact, but the point at which they meet is the factual point, and that's what you need to know. Okay, then you can make your own decisions, but you need to actually garner facts, not just follow the guy who's slapping the media. Because, yeah, it's fun to slap the media. Yeah, it's fun to slap the left. That's great, but this is a point I've been making for a long time, okay, about provoking the left, being a provocateur, about slapping the left. If you're going to do these things, 
The point here is to tell the truth. And if the left takes offense, that's their problem. The point here is not just to offend the left. If your, de- if your definition of conservatism is it makes the left angry, lots of things make the left angry, including some things that ought to make the left angry. Okay, and it is not your job just to make the left angry or to celebrate when the left gets angry. You have to determine, are they angry for a good reason or a bad reason? You have to determine, are they angry because you spoke facts or are they angry because you lied? Because pretending that everybody on the left is just an inhuman monster and that none of them have any capacity for reason at all and that they're all just making things up 100% of the time, that's not a recipe for politics. It's not a recipe for having a rational conversation. So all I'm advocating here is that we all take a step back here and that we look in the mirror and that we say to ourselves, okay, what's true and what's false? We look in the mirror and we say, okay, are we excited because Trump is opposing the left or are we excited because the left opposes Trump? And there is a difference. There is a difference, okay? Are we excited because Trump is opposing the left or are we excited because the left opposes Trump? Because people use this as shorthand. Okay, the left opposes Trump. That must mean he's doing something right. Not always. Not always. A lot of the time that's true. A lot of the time that is true. But sometimes it's not. And that's true for everyone in the right-wing movement. Okay, just because the left opposes you in the right, that doesn't necessarily mean that the left is wrong. Okay, the left is sometimes correct about things they oppose. They're not wrong 100% of the time about everything. They're wrong on principles, but they're not necessarily wrong when it comes to, we oppose this person because he did X. And so it's important for you as a conservative to say, do I support this person because of what they stand for, because they stand for standing against the left, or do I support this person because they're eliciting a response from the left? The easiest thing in the world is to elicit a response from snowflakes. The question is, how are you doing it? And is it a good thing? Are you speaking truth? And that's what's ticking off the left. Or is the left just ticked off at you? And now your entire side goes, oh, well, if the left's ticked off at you, then you must be, you must be doing something right. You get in real dangerous territory when you start saying, just because somebody ticks off the left, that means they're a good person or an ally. It's a mistake. It's a big mistake. Okay, so just to finish up on, on this Trump press conference, he said a couple of things that were, that were I think, silly about the media. There's one point where he said about the media that it was the fake reporting that was making it difficult for him to make a deal with Russia. Okay, he's the president of the United States. If he wanted to make a deal with Russia, he'd make a deal with Russia. And most of the American people would probably be happy if he took nuclear war off the table. I, did, I have to put this in good Trump just because it is so typically Trumpian, and I, and I love this quote so much. Uh, he was talking about the chances of a nuclear war with Russia, and, uh, and it was wonderful. It's just, it's, you can't help but admire this language. 11G. I can tell you one thing about a briefing that we're allowed to say because anybody that ever read the most basic book can say it. Nuclear Holocaust would be like no other. Fact check, true. <laughs> Nuclear Holocaust would be like no other. Fact check, true. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna have to break there. If you want to watch the rest, we have a lot more coming up that we're going to be discussing, stuff I like, stuff I hate. Uh, you go to dailywire.com and check it out over there. $8 a month will buy you a subscription to dailywire.com, or you can get an annual subscription at dailywire.com. Right now, if you do that, then you get a free copy of the Arroyo DVD, which is a, a fictional movie about what's happening on our southern border, really excellent sort of action western flick, modern action western flick about what's happening on the southern border. Go to dailywire.com and check it out. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. Okay, so I want to talk about the reactions to the press conference. The media are awful at this. So the media, because the media always take personal offense, all that ends up happening is they play right into the narrative Trump wants to create. So Trump and the media both have a stake in the Trump media war. The media like the war because it elevates them. It makes them look like we're speaking truth to power. And Trump likes it because he gets to rip the media and his people love it. Love, L-U-V-I-E. Love it. Okay, so like, and so both sides benefit from this. So 
Trump tweets about the media and the media lose their mind. So John Carl over at ABC News, he says it's just the worst thing ever. We're not the enemy. The president has declared the press the enemy of the American people. I've reported in countries where leaders not only complain about a critical press, but also try to shut it down, throwing reporters in prison or worse. I've seen my colleagues risk their lives and with increasing frequency lose their lives in the pursuit of the truth. We are not about to stop doing our jobs because yet another president is unhappy with what he reads or hears or sees on TV news. There is a reason the founders put freedom of the press in the very first amendment to the Constitution. Stop it right As there. So this sort of media self-centeredness really does drive people on the right nuts and they play right into it because they're so stupid. All they have to say is, look, if we report the truth, respect us for reporting the truth. If we say something false, fact check us. That's all they have to say. But instead, it turns into, we are the fourth estate, the most important people you've ever met. And it's like, come on, guys. Come on. Hey, first of all, whenever people in the press cite freedom of the press and they say the, the Constitution specifically cites us as super duper important. Freedom of the press does not mean there's a specific group of people called journalists who get special privileges under the Constitution. That's not what freedom of the press means. You can be a journalist today. I can be a journalist today. I didn't go to journalism school. We can all be journalists. Freedom of the press just means the government does not have the power to censor material based on the content of the material. It doesn't mean that journalists get special access and special privileges that other people don't get. In fact, you get in very dangerous territory. Obama tried to do this by labeling some people journalists and some people not journalists. Right? And that's, that's a huge... That's, a, that's a, a huge mistake, because once the government can determine that you're a journalist and you have special rights, then the government is in control of the press. Right? So you don't want to make that distinction. But the press makes it into, why are you attacking us? Just stop attacking us. Just don't attack us. And the American people go, listen, we don't care about you. All we care about is whether you're telling the truth or not. And this is where both sides are missing it. So Trump says the press are the enemy. And the press say, we're not the enemy. Why doesn't either side just say the truth is not the enemy? Right? What Trump should say is, the press are not telling the truth. And when they lie, that is inimical to freedom. And the press should say, when Donald Trump lies, that is inimical to freedom. So we're both going to tell the truth now. <laughs> tell the truth. Okay, so there's more of this. Chris Wallace went after Reince Priebus about, about this Donald Trump attack on the media. And here's what Wallace had to say. I don't have any problem with you complaining about an individual story. We sometimes get it wrong. You guys sometimes get it wrong. I don't have any problem with you complaining about bias, but you went a lot further than that, or the president went a lot further than that. He said that the fake media, not certain stories, the fake media are uh, an enemy to the country. We don't have a state-run media in this country. That's what they have in dictatorships. To I, I, deregulate we the covered federal government. all of that. There's we so have many the Neil Gorsuch. Wait, wait a minute. We and all of the other cable channels had uh, covered uh, live the announcement of Neil Gorsuch. Right. And covered live a lot of About, these other events. Covered live for exactly. an hour and fifteen the minutes. Hiring freeze, the president's news conference. Freeze, Here's the problem: when the president Chris, says, when the president freeze, says that we're the enemy of the American people, protection. it makes it sound like if you're going against him, you're going against the country. We covered all of those uh, news you, conferences you started live. The Everybody Obama. did. Right, sure. Yeah, for about, yeah, right. But then as soon as it was over, the next 20 hours is all about Russian spies. But you don't no get to tell us along, what to do, how right? nothing's happening. You don't Give get to tell us break. what to do any more than, than Barack Obama did. Barack, Barack Obama whined about Fox News all the time. But I got to say, he never said that we were an enemy of the people. Okay, so Chris Wallace goes off here. And Chris Wallace isn't wrong on any of this. But when they turn it into a war between the media and Trump, Trump's bound to win that war. And that's why there was a poll that showed that basically 45% of Americans trust Trump to tell the truth more than the media. They trust the media 42% of the time and only 10%
say neither, which is the actual right answer. The right answer is you shouldn't trust anybody, right? You should actually wait for the facts to come out. And it doesn't have, so Reince jumps right into this because one of the things that makes Trump popular with the conservative crowd is, again, these attacks on the press. And again, don't mistake attacks on the press for truth. Okay, you actually have to show why, show your work. Okay, this is a, it's a math class. Show your work now. You don't get full credit just for saying the press is bad. You actually have to show your work. Why is the press bad? What did they do wrong? Well, we've run a bunch of fake news, you know, all caps, fake news, colon, and then the headline of what the media has gotten wrong. John Nolte over at Daily Wire, every week he posts a new list of things that the media get wrong and lie about. We're on top of it. But that doesn't mean that every story the media ever reports is false. You know, the media reports literally hundreds of stories a day, and probably 10% of those have some serious questions about them. But the idea that everything that, that comes out of the media is false is just not true. But this is something in which the right revels, because for years we've been saying the media is biased. The left has refused to acknowledge that. So Ryan's previous doubles down on this because he knows it's a popular talking point among his folks. The press was the enemy of the American people. Should we take that seriously from him? Well, I think you should take it seriously. I think that the, the problem we've got is that we're talking about bogus stories like the one in the New York Times that we've had constant contact with Russian officials. The next day, the Wall Street Journal had a story that uh, the intel community was not giving the president a full intelligence briefing. Both stories grossly inaccurate. Uh, overstated, overblown, and it's total garbage. So we spend, you know, 48 hours on bogus stories, and the American people suffer. So I do think it's a problem, and I think that the media needs to, in some cases, not every case, So Ryan John, Reince is saying all this because, again, it makes him popular with Trump, and Trump makes Trump more popular with his crowd. This is why Republicans have 90% approval rating of Trump, and Democrats have 3%. Because Democrats look at Trump, they say he lies, and Republicans look at the media, and they say they lie, and nobody just says both of them lie which is the actual thing that's happening. And the only person who's been reasonable in any of this that I can identify is the, is the Secretary of Defense, one of Trump's excellent cabinet picks, General James Mattis. Here's what Mattis had to say about the press when he was asked about it. Sir, President Trump has said that this week that the press is the enemy of the American people. Do you agree? Uh, I've had some rather contentious times with the press, uh, but no, the, the press, uh, as far as I'm concerned, are a constituency that we deal with, and... Uh, the, I, I don't have any issues uh, with the press uh, myself. That is the right answer. That's the right answer. But reasonable rhetoric has gone completely out the window because everybody's so excited to see somebody get punched. This is not going to end well. It isn't. I mean, both sides have now uh, sort of lost touch with, with any semblance of the facts. I say both sides now exist in, in separate bubbles, and they're just screaming at each other. And the first thing that pierces that bubble could be a bullet, and that'll be very scary. That'll be very scary. And I mean that very seriously. I think that when both sides are intent on trolling each other and determining that the other side is is completely living in crazy land, as opposed to, you know, what are they trying to say? Is there any factual basis to what they're saying? You know, this is the, it's, it's a dangerous time. It's a tinderbox. Okay, now, speaking of the media actually not telling the truth, here is an example of the media not actually telling the truth. Donald Trump spoke in, uh, in Florida over the weekend, another one of these big rallies, and the media went crazy over the big rally. Oh, look at Trump having a big rally. He's got a mess of an administration. Why is he having... Okay, Barack Obama never stopped campaigning. He had rallies all the time. No big deal. So Trump goes to this rally, and Trump speaks at the rally, and at the rally, uh, and at the rally, Trump says this about Sweden. Here's the bottom line. We've got to keep our country safe. You look at what's happening. We've got to keep our country safe.
You look at what's happening in Germany. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. Okay, so the media went off on this. The media suggested that this was because Donald, that Donald Trump was suggesting some sort of terrorist attack had happened in Sweden because he mentions Germany. And then in context, he also mentions uh, a couple of, of other. He mentions Nice and France. Okay, if you listen to that, does that sound to you like he's talking about a terror attack or does it sound like they're just having serious problems with Muslim immigrants in Sweden? It sounds to me more like the latter, right? It doesn't sound to me like he's just talking about a terror attack in Sweden. So there are a bunch of members of the media, like the social lead for CNBC. He says, Trump discussing terror seamlessly mentions incident last night in Sweden. There was no incident in Sweden last night. So Trump is inexact in his language, as always. And he should be more careful about his language because, come on, you're the president of the United States. The Swedish Twitter account promptly began trolling him, saying that they wanted to know if, if, the, if the United States had any aid to provide for the terrorist attack last night in Sweden and all this. The fact is, when you look at that, what Trump's actually saying, he was talking about a Fox News report that happened on Friday night because Trump gets his news just from Fox News. So he was watching a Fox News report in which a friend of mine uh, named, uh, uh, well, now I'm forgetting his name, actually, but Ami Horowitz. Uh, Ami is actually a friend of mine. And Ami was doing a, uh, and and Ami went over and did a report in Sweden about the nature of Muslim immigration in Sweden. He was on Tucker Carlson's show, and he talked about how it had created high levels of crime, how Sweden was having serious problems with anti-Semitism, all of which is absolutely true. And so this report was on, on Fox News on Friday night. He talked about how Sweden is now the official rape capital of Europe. And Trump saw that, and that's what he's referring to. That's what he's referring to, right? And so the and so the left went nuts. They suggested that he was talking about how this was all, you know, just a fake. How this uh, how this was he he had mentioned a terrorist attack, the, the, a terrorist attack. A mediaite ran a headline that said, "Did Trump think there was an attack in Sweden because of a Tucker Carlson segment?" Again, this this film from Ami Horowitz documents Sweden's open door policy where refugees are concerned. He talks about the Swedish government trying to cover up the insurgent the the surge in crime. Um, and, and so Trump, because this is what he does, he was sort of half watching TV and he took away from it that some attacks must have happened in Sweden. But was this Trump saying there was a massive terror attack in Sweden? No, that's not what he was saying in the slightest. The media botched it. They got it wrong. And then they blew it out of proportion, as always. This is a case where both sides are going to accuse the other side of lying. People on the left are going to say Trump talked about a terror attack. He sort of kind of did. And people on the right are going to say he didn't really talk about a terror attack because he really kind of didn't. So, you know, again, what would be nice is if we all just said Trump botched the language here, but he wasn't talking about a Swedish terrorist attack. Here's what he was talking about. Is it a big deal? No. But the media have to jump on him. That is an element of media dishonesty. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things that I like. So, uh, a movie came to mind over the weekend. That is uh, actually a terrific movie. Everybody knows Andy Griffith from The Andy Griffith Show, but very few people remember that Andy Griffith is actually a terrific actor. There's a film called The Face in the Crowd. It's an Ilya Kazan film, and it is first rate. This, this film is about a guy who's a drifter named Lonesome Rhodes, and he becomes a media sensation because he becomes sort of the voice of the people. He's this guy who, uh, he's, he's a comedian, he's sort of down home, and he begins to gain credibility with all of these people because he seems to speak for them. He seems to speak for the common man. And that's his shtick. So here's a little bit of the trailer from A Face in the Crowd. <laughs> oh, Lonesome Rhodes. Look out for him. He's mean. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Andy Griffith, another sensational newcomer from Ilya Kazan 
who brought you Marlon Brando and James Dean and Carol Baker. Great cast, Patricia Mills and Tish is terrific. Gon' be a Loved by millions, an idol of the people. Bye! Bye, Lucy! So long, Luther, you're right to me now. I'll be thinking of you, good people. Boy, I'm glad to shake that dumb. Try to play the noble defender of the sanctity of marriage. And the whole thing is that this Andy Griffith character, he really has, down deep, he has a lot of scorn for people. Right? He, he actually thinks everybody's a sucker and he's taking them for a ride. And it's about how he's able to gain power and credibility. Anyway, it's a really good film about a con man in the public face. Um, and uh, and it came to mind over this weekend. I thought it was a, a really, it, it's a terrific film. You should go watch it. Uh, they shot it on AMC sometimes, uh, or TCM. Um, really worth renting. Okay, time for some stuff that I hate. So first of all, I'm going to start off with a correction. So I, I've been saying that I want to do correction sections, and then very often I just forget to do the correction. So last week I had said that Puerto Ricans are not American citizens. That's not true. They are they are American citizens, but they don't actually get to vote in presidential elections because Puerto Rico does not have delegates. But I wanted to correct that from the record because I got a bunch of letters. You're right. I'm wrong. Got that wrong. So just wanted to correct that up top. Okay. Now some of the actual things that I hate aside from being wrong. So Judd Apatow... Judd Apatow, who's just lost his mind, uh, he's uh, the director who's done uh, a bunch of, of different films, all of which are supposed to be funny but are really not as funny as they're made out to be. Uh, he gave a stand-up performance in L.A. on Saturday night. This is according to the Washington Times. He used the opportunity to spend most of his routine zinging President Trump and his family. He started off his set by saying the president's election victory made him feel like a person about to get raped, but I didn't know how bad it would be. He said, I feel like I've just been raped and I just don't know if I'm going to get murdered. If anybody on the right ever said this about Barack Obama, it would be the end of the world. This idea that you're about to be raped, by the pre- that you feel like you've been raped by the president of the United States. It's, this sort of language is, uh, is not appropriate, shall we say, to a political conversation. Judd Apatow has to explain how he was raped. He has to explain how, how his experience of being disappointed in a political election amounts to the same thing emotionally as a woman being physically violated by a man by force. Uh, that's, that seems like not the same thing to me at all. Then he started joking that Melania Trump was delaying her move to the White House. She said every, he said, every day she's not in the White House is a day she's not getting effed by Donald Trump. Wouldn't you stay away? I mean, think about it. Hillary Clinton didn't move out of the White House, and her husband got a, a bleep in it. Again, I'm not sure why this sort of stuff is okay from the left. I'm just not sure why it's okay from the left, but it was totally out of bounds with the right um, either it's out of bounds for both or it's not out of bounds for either. But uh, he, he even made jokes about Barron Trump, apparently. He said, he gets it. You ever see him in the face when Trump's talking? People are like, is there something wrong with him? No, he knows his dad's a bleeping a-hole. Again, you know, the, this, this sort of stuff from Hollywood is totally fine, so long as the people in Hollywood say it's fine. And that's, you know, really, uh, it's, it's a problem. Again, it's, it's just heightening the, the divide in the social fabric that exists. You can make jokes about the president. It's a free country. You're, you're allowed to do all this stuff. Is it smart to do all this stuff? No, it's really not smart to do any of this stuff. And uh, it's, you know, again, I think that Hollywood is, is more than happy to promulgate vile messages about a lot of people so long as those people disagree with them politically. Okay, final thing that I hate. 
Uh, there's a, a girl. This is, a, this is a story. It's a few days old, but it's an amazing story. Uh, and that is, there's this this woman named Thuan Cordeiro. I guess she's a 19-year-old Brazilian woman. And she suffers from acute myeloid leukemia. So she has cancer of the blood and bone marrow. She lost all of her hair during treatment. So she started wearing a turban in public. And then she said that she was confronted by a black woman who said that she was appropriating culture. She said a woman approached her and said she shouldn't be wearing the turban because she was right, because she was white. Okay, first, let me just say something about cultural appropriation, first of all. Cultural appropriation is the stupidest crap anybody ever thought of. The whole purpose of civilization is cultural appropriation. It turns out that virtually all of the good things you have in life are thanks to cultural appropriation of some sort or another. It turns out that civilization itself is culturally appropriated in its various forms. Democracy is created by certain cultures and then appropriated by others, and that's a good thing. You want good things to spread. What makes life better is culturally appropriating things from other places that are good and ignoring things from other cultures that are bad. Picking and choosing from different cultures is a wonderful thing. This idea of cultural appropriation that you're, you're somehow mocking black people if you wear a turban because you have cancer is just asinine. Or even if you don't have cancer, who cares? If you think the turban's a wonderful look, go for it. And the fact is that people culturally appropriate every day. It used to be the fashion in the United States, you know, if you got up in the morning, you went to work, you weren't wearing jeans, right? That was culturally appropriated from a certain class of people in the United States who wore jeans. Everything that you have is culturally appropriated in some form or another because you didn't make it up, okay? You're not tabula rasa. You're not born with no record. You're not born in an empty forest somewhere and you have to make things up on your own. If you were, you would die within a couple of, within a couple of minutes probably. <laughs> but even if you lived, you wouldn't live very long. Cultural appropriation is what makes medicine possible. It's what makes technology possible. It's what makes fashion possible. You should be very excited about cultural appropriation. And it is the highest form of flattery for your culture if people start appropriating your culture because it's good. You really should be upset if people aren't appropriating your culture because then you're saying they're saying that your culture is crap. So she'd be very much in favor of cultural appropriation. This woman took off her turban and she said, I've got cancer. I'm going to wear what I want. And, uh, and, but the, the broader point is, is still relevant, and that is whether she had cancer or not, she has every right to wear a turban if she feels like wearing a turban. It's very silly that people are obsessed with this, but it just demonstrates how people want to divide themselves from one another in order to achieve their end goal, which is political power through polarization. And that's something we all should avoid, right, left, and center. No political power through polarization, okay? Political power through truth, through truth. If the truth is polarizing, that's one thing. If you're just embracing polarization because you think that polarization earns you victory, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. We'll be back tomorrow. There's going to be a lot more to discuss, and we'll talk about all of it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.